It's like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. And with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are uh, back to bring our last Stanley... Wait, Stanuary 2020 Janley Kubrick episode, um, where we will be talking about his last film, Eyes Wide Shut, from 1999, uh, a first viewing for both Corey and I, and uh, we will get into that later in the episode. If you're new to Movie Club, uh, the way this started was Corey and I have an extensive collection of films that we have not seen and own, uh, many of them. Um, and we were trying to, you know, let's watch some more movies. Let's push ourselves to get out of our comfort zone and just rewatching those same beloved films over and over again. And so the podcast made sense as a way to make sure at least once a week we're watching something brand new. Um, I think both of us reach past that, but at least once a week we're watching something brand new. And uh, then we talk about it. Um, before we get to our review of Eyes Wide Shut, we like to catch up and then see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm ready for anything but winter. How are you? Surprised this morning because yesterday it was like a normal oh, kind yeah. of Florida January. And then I went out to walk the dogs in like shorts and a t-shirt and it was 46 degrees at like 738 this morning. So I like had to run back in and grab a jacket. But um, yeah, uh, it's, so it's supposed to be real cold tomorrow. I think it's going to be in the, well for us. I know by comparison, it's not as cold as what you're going through, but it's like 33 or something is the low tomorrow. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, that's not much mm, higher than we are here, and I do think that it feels colder there. Like, if it's in the 40s, I won't even wear a denim jacket. I'll just wear, like, you know. That's crazy to me. My regular clothes. <laughs> um, I did keep my shorts on this morning, but it was, you know, it was still, I was, like, cold. and like, come on, dogs, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, but... Uh, you know, today was MLK, uh, so I didn't have to work at my school jobs, but by weird coincidence, I was scheduled at my retail job um, when I usually can't work because I usually have a night class that I teach, and it, I lucked into it, I guess, or they lucked into it because didn't, I didn't have to call out, even though, you know, it would have been their mistake because I scheduled it that I can't work on Mondays and Wednesdays, but here it was, scheduled. Um, so I ended up having to, like, work a few hours tonight and uh you ever have one of those days where you wake up and um it's just you can tell it's gonna be a, a like angry day you know <laughs> I, I mean? hate those days yeah like my morning started off rocky and then it never it never it got doesn't okay go up from there sometimes <laughs> yeah i mean even i guess like i had some bad dreams like and then woke up in a weird situation that I wasn't prepared for and then it was just like I was already kind of angry probably before the situation but the situation only made me angrier and then just all day today um tried to find ways out of it and it just nothing really clicked um yeah it was, it's been one of those days um and I don't blame Eyes Wide Shut which I did watch last night before I went to bed I don't blame that but uh it is weird because I mentioned that I had bad dreams and having now done a little bit of extensive research because I do feel like a Kubrick film is uh, requires more thought than some films that we've watched in the past and especially this particular one. 
Um, I could totally see why some people wouldn't have liked this movie, and we'll get into that in a little bit later. But um, other than the weather, uh, anything interesting happening? Anything cool? Mm. Mm. I got a Baby Yoda poster today. Oh, did you? Yeah, Taylor got it for me. Um, oh, nice! And then I found out that at my job we actually have a Baby Yoda t-shirt. Although, again, not we know it's not actually called Baby Yoda, everybody, but it's Baby Yoda. Let's not you know kid ourselves. It's <laughs> everybody Yoda. knows what you're talking about when you yeah. say that, though. So until they give us a name other than uh, the young one or whatever, it's it's the it's Baby Yoda. That's what it is. Get over it. Um, well, you want to just jump into what we've been watching? Yeah. All right. What you got? Okay. Um, I'm still making my way through um, the office. Walk, making my fast. way downtown. Walking fast. Yes. Something, yes. something, and a poem found. Sorry, I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> I love that song. song. Uh, it's a very good song. And I think that she's actually touring soon. Oh. Uh, and I think maybe releasing a new album. Uh, so I've been making my way through the office still, and I had a big you know ugly cry session <sighs> over oh. the last episode i watched i'm not done but i mean the show's like five million years old i don't really right. know if it's spoiling it but somebody just left um and then i uh, bill and i went mm, actually on thursday i went to see underwater with a friend oh. uh liked it yeah it's fun right a lot yeah yeah um, I'm terrified of drowning. Um, yes, as everyone should be. You know, like, I I think they did a really good job with making it claustrophobic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, liked it a lot. And then, although, so we didn't go see 1917 because oh. I have a hard time watching war movies during the week like when I need to be able to go to sleep and then wake up and go to work the next day because they like I forget what the last war movie was but a different friend and I went to see it and I just couldn't calm down from it Dunkirk? you know maybe it was Dunkirk I, I can't remember I could see Dunkirk doing that for sure because that movie is uh, very stressful yeah, so like I try to I try to be thoughtful with my movie choices. So we didn't go see 1917. We went to see Underwater instead. And I mean, it's a horror movie, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I don't usually have a problem with horror movies, but other elements of the movie still made me very anxious. So we didn't really accomplish anything at all by not seeing 1917 yeah. and seeing Underwater instead. It's, it's a different <laughs> level of stress, but definitely uh, stress. Yeah. Um, and then Sunday, Bill and I did go see 1917. Hmm. And do you like that? Yeah, we liked it a lot. Yeah, it's it's such a cool movie, and like, I mean, it's unexpected. Yeah, yes, I. It's crazy how emotionally stirring that movie was. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a technical marvel. Like, I really am fascinated by the filming of it. So. Yeah. Damn. Did you? Uh, watch parasite oh i watched half of it oh <laughs> only half yeah because... i stopped like at a pivotal point because i'm sorry i don't watch a lot of korean movies but i feel like they're saying a lot and it's hard with, for me to keep up with the 
<laughs> subtitles, and it was like eleven. Oh well, okay, so time. It is a it's yeah. a, a very dialogue heavy movie for sure. Yeah, and I like I kept having to like rewind it because I was missing words. Oh. Like I just felt like there are such they're like some parts they're like giving you whole paragraphs. It feels like it's like two lines of two full lines of you know text, and then it's like I'm not. A fast reader <laughs> anyway and oh cheese and rice but i expect to finish that this week word um well i watched um ophelia which is the uh the retelling of hamlet it is not a <gasps> remake of hamlet because it is actually a um, adaptation of a book called ophelia but it is based on shakespeare's hamlet um daisy ridley plays ophelia uh, naomi watts plays two characters the queen and then another character which isn't a spoiler but i won't get into because it does have like it's one of the major changes to the original um george mckay from 1917 uh plays hamlet in this um and then i think the worst piece of casting in the film is clive owen as claudius the uncle um and not one because i feel like clive owen has played a villain too many times and he's always bad he's always he does too much as a villain um think of valerian uh uh gemini man and then this, and there's a couple other roles that aren't popping into my head right away. I love him in Children of Men, and in a couple of roles he's good, but man, um, not not goodness. Uh, and also the wig they gave him is awful. But um, overall, I enjoyed the movie. I, I found it very interesting. One of my students, uh, it's her favorite movie from. Well, technically it's a 2018 movie, but I think she found it last year, and now she like loves it. Um, so I, I watched it on her recommendation, and she literally brought it and said, "Watch this." So I'm like, "Okay." Um, uh, I watched Parasite, which I loved, and it is, I don't know for sure where it ended in my top 10 for last year just yet, um, but it's up there. It, it is excellent. I, I was so, I had done a good job of avoiding everything, but at the same time, like, I knew there were some, like, weird parts and things were going to be different than what you thought they were, but I still was never able to guess where it was going, and that's always fun for me. Um, I went and saw, actually, I took Kathy, too, and we went and saw Bad Boys for Life. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, Corey, but I'm a big fan of the original Bad Boys. Like, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I loved it as a high school kid. Like, I watched it a lot in high school. And, um, I wasn't sure if I should be excited for the sequel. Uh, the trailers didn't totally work for me. I wasn't, I was still hopeful, because I do like Will Smith, and I still like Martin Lawrence. And this movie's great i had a like i'm not saying it's perfect by any means but it's i think it's uh story is actually compelling and there's a lot of emotions that they manage to get you invested in um it's the action scenes are cool i i just i had a lot of fun with it it was i was laughing a lot the audience i was with was really great it was actually pretty packed and everyone was having a good time laughing um i didn't watch anything friday but on saturday I uh, watched two movies on Saturday. Um, I watched Hearts Beat Loud because I sometimes just need a movie that makes me feel good. Yeah. And that movie makes me feel good. Um, it's a good one. Even though it makes me cry like real bad at the end every time. When he gives the speech about uh, the shop that's clearly not about the shop. You know, he's like, um, it's been 17 years. And he's looking at his daughter. It's like, he's talking about his daughter. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Ugly cry. And yeah. I just it's over from yeah, there that that part always cracks especially because like taylor's getting to that point um you know so it's uh always hits really really hard for me um and he is talking about the shop but that's the the paradigm he's not just losing one thing he's losing everything everything about his life is changing um 
then I, I watched uh, Philadelphia for the first time. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, which, oh man, um, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I'm, I've been listening to my favorite podcast, Blank Check, and they're doing Jonathan Demi films, and I've not been keeping up with them um, consistently. I've listened to all the episodes, but I haven't watched all the movies uh, for a while. Some of them were really hard to get. I'm under the impression that um, Amazon actually uh, listens to the podcast because it seems like a week after their episode drops, suddenly the movie shows up on Prime. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but Philadelphia was this this Sunday's episode, so I was like, okay, I need to watch this. Um, I already had it, but uh, still, like it was on Amazon Prime, so I watched it, and I I love Denzel, I love Tom Hanks, but I've not seen this film, and man this movie's so good and i'm jonathan demi um i really only knew from uh sons of the lambs which i love uh very very much but um i i'm really becoming a fan of his craft and like his movies are very different but he has a very specific style in which he delivers his movie and all of them share an odd theme of empathy and I say odd because Silence of the Lambs, you wouldn't expect empathy, but there is this like humanistic element with Clarice especially. Um, and he's just got this really great method of bringing that to the films, especially his use of close-ups. And there's a scene in Philadelphia, and spoilers for an almost 30-year-old movie, um, where Tom Hanks is, uh, they've won the case, and Denzel uh, goes um, to see him at the hospital because he's you know dying. And uh denzel's been not only homophobic but also aids phobic like the whole movie and uh he takes the tom hanks takes the oxygen mask off of himself um and then he starts having trouble breathing so denzel puts it back on and it's this very touching moment where he's not afraid to touch him which he has been pretty much throughout the film and the way he shoots it with these close-ups it's so intense denzel's like looking right into your soul as he reaches and puts the mask back on and it's just really powerful really uh, i'm selling an old movie here but it was really great i i don't i feel like i haven't seen him in a movie lately and i mean anyways tom hanks holy you know but i feel like then like in the 90s he just put out so many good he was like in so many good movies and just I, I, a punch I your have gut. A lot to watch for Denzel. Like I've not seen American Gangster. I've not seen The Inside Man, which is supposed to be great. That's a Clive Owen movie that I've heard is good. Uh, I never watched Man on Fire. That's with him in the introduction of Dakota Fanning, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, Unstoppable is him and Chris Pine on a train, which I've seen parts of. Um, I thought I saw Felon One Two Three, but I don't have that checked. Um, I've actually never watched Crimson Tide, uh, The Manchurian Candidate. Uh, his version I've not watched. Um, so we need a Denzel month, is what you're saying. Might have to in the future. Uh, I really want to watch Mo Better Blues, um, Devil in a Blue Dress. Uh, I never watched John Q. That one just seemed too sad. Um, it says the man who just watched Philadelphia. I know, right? But that's why I avoided <laughs> Philadelphia for almost 30 years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I knew it's it was like, going to be sad. And like I told you, I haven't seen it in such a long time, but it's just like <laughs> stuck with me. Then I watched Eyes Wide Shut, which we'll get to. And then this morning, um, staying with Jonathan Demi, I watched his 1986 rom-com Something Wild um, with uh, Melanie Griffith and Jeff Daniels and Ray Liotta. Um, and uh, I I already listened to the podcast episode about it, so I kind of anticipated knowing it. And then, like, I still didn't know what I was getting into um, because it 
the title, I guess my brain couldn't wrap around this one. I kept thinking that he was going to get married to this girl who's a part of the mob. That's what I thought the title meant. It does not mean that whatsoever. And uh, the story is really good. And, like, their meet-cute is really interesting. And it's... Man, I just... I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I kind of... I threw it on in the background. Because, like, I, again, I've already listened to the podcast episode. And I was just trying to get out of that frustrated feeling that I was in. And... Um, it, it did help a little while I was watching it. Like, I ended up getting kind of pulled into it more than I was expecting to. And, um, yeah, if you, if you get a chance, it's on Prime. Now, like I said, they seem like they're adding all the uh, Demi movies as the podcast goes through. And it should be noted that the Blank Check podcast, um, Griffin Newman was uh, Arthur on the Amazon Tick TV series. So it's not a far stretch to think that someone on Amazon might be paying attention to that show um, because – he did work for Amazon while they were doing The Tick, which, underrated TV series, I can't believe they canceled it, very heartbroken, because one, I love the show, but also I'm a big fan of Griffin Newman, so, you know, get the man a job, please, uh, uh, but don't take him away from the podcast, because I love that podcast. Well, maybe, hopefully, he's making enough that that can just be his get-paid-full-time-for-part-time-work sure. job. If he doesn't want to act, then that's cool. But I feel like, you know, he was really, like, he was the lead, because it's called The Tick, but Arthur's really, in that series, he's the focal point. Um, he's your entry point into the superhero world, and he was great as Arthur. Um, and I, I liked the old cartoon when I was a kid, uh, The Tick, so I was a fan going in. Um, I never watched the Patrick Warburton TV series, but... All right, let's get into the movie of the week, shall we? Yes. Eyes Wide Shut from 1999, uh, two hours, 39 minutes. It is available to watch on Prime, um, but you can also buy it, of course. Uh, it has a 68 Metascore, 7.4 IMDb user score. Uh, stars Tom Cruise as Dr. William Harford. Nicole Kidman as Alice Harford, his wife, which they were married still at the time. Todd Field as Nick Nightingale, the pianist. Sidney Pollack as Victor Zelger, who's like the host of one of the parties that they're at. Um, he's also an iconic director himself. Um, Madison Eggington as Helena Harford. Don't actually know who that is. Um, by name, I mean. Uh, I don't know which character she was. There's a lot of characters in this movie, by the way, because he moves through the world quite a bit. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anyone else. Uh, Alan Cummings was the one that threw me off the most. He was the um, receptionist at one of the hotels. Um, and I'm, I'm familiar with him and I'm like, wait a minute, why do I know that guy? And he's in a bunch oh, of stuff. Oh, um, was it? Okay. But uh, it's probably a spoiler to go any further than he was a receptionist or I don't know, clerk, whatever the right term is, I guess receptionist is wrong, but, uh, Lily Sabisky looks so familiar. She kind of looks like Helen Hunt, um, like young Helen Hunt, but she's not obviously, uh, she's in stuff I've seen, but not a lot of stuff I've seen. I feel like she I haven't seen her in anything in a long time too and I didn't realize she was in this. I was like, oh my god Lily Sobieski. Oh, so Who names her kid Lily? Uh, Lily. Lee. Um, there's Alan Cumming. Looking to see if there's any other like names that I recognize. That dude's ripped. Um, <laughs> he's like, his, his IMD p picture is just him with his shirt off. Like, Looking oh, all, Tony DeSergio? De yeah, <laughs> I was trying to find who you were talking about. <laughs> uh, Stanley Kubrick uh, directed it, writes, uh, he dies shortly after turning in the final cut of this movie, like like a few days after he turns in the final cut, um, based on videos and readings that I've done uh, since I watched the movie. Um, the reading that I did was, oh, hang on, I still have it open. Film School Rejects, and let's see if they have their author. I think it's at the bottom. 
want to give credit because it was a good article. Um, it was. Look, this freaking website that has like ear, like earwax, like ads on it for some. Oh reason. no! Like it's like a dude's ear with like a Q-tip coming out of it. Um, yeah, no. Madison Breck, uh, which is odd because it looks like they misspelled my name because it's B R E K, and I'm like, wait a minute, it's B R B E R K. Um. Okay, interesting. Um, <laughs> I just remembered a dumb joke. Um, so the other day, uh, you know, Matt, from what I watched tonight, a good friend of the podcast, friend in, of mine in general, but um, he's a huge fan of The Exorcist. That's his favorite movie. He rewatches it like it's I rewatch so Scott funny. Pilgrim. I know. I tag right? him in everything. I tag him in everything Exorcist that I see. I'm just waiting for him to get tired of it or be like, you've already tagged me in this. So I see this cartoon <laughs> someone drew. Of, um, it's a cowboy priest. Like he's got a giant like 10 gallon hat and the boots and the big Texas belt buckle. And he says, go on, get to the uh, girl with her head spinning backwards. Oh. And it's, it says as a caption, the Texorcist. Get of out the, of here. That's what he said. He said, I said, get. So um, bad. So I, no. sent, I sent him the picture and was just like, who directs this? And like who would who would you pick? And he uh, immediately goes Richard Linklater because he's from Texas, um, like very famously from Austin, Texas. And I was like, dude, that's so perfect. And then we uh, we reimagined so the you know the before trilogy it would be before demon, before priest, after murder. That's the uh, the Richard Linklater exorcist, the Texorcist trilogy that we have to look forward to in the near future. Everybody, um, yeah, uh, we think we're funny. That's all that matters. So. Um, I read this article from Madison Breck. She points out about the Kubrick thing that I said. And then I watched two videos on YouTube. One from NerdWriter, who I am a big fan of his channel. Um, he does really great video essays. And he... Uh, I don't know if he's still doing them or not. Um, he was doing them for a while. And I was watching them avidly. Um, but he already... Oh, yeah, he's still doing them. Because he has one on Parasite. Um, I need to watch that one. I've not watched that one yet. But um, he had a really good one on Eyes Wide Shut that I watched... And uh, pulling up my history here, do, 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 do. and then what it all meant was the other YouTube channel I watched, uh, Eyes Wide Shut. What it all meant, um, and uh, I still don't know if I fully grasp everything from watching this one time. I am not surprised that a Kubrick film will require multiple viewings to truly appreciate all of the little nuances. Um, but if you've never listened to the show before we get into spoilers, we like to just kind of give our general take on the film. Um, I've already kind of started, so I'll go first if that's okay, Corey. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked this movie, uh, mainly because it is a 1999 film and there is an argument being made and there's even a book about it arguing that 1999 is the best year in cinema period, um, of all time. And it's hard to argue against it because there are some epic films that came out that year. Some of my favorite films came out that year. And I do think 1999 was the year I became... Um, more aware of what films could do than just be sheer entertainment and uh, it would take many more years before I became as obsessed as I am now but at that time I think that was the year that really got me going to the theater all the time and I was you know that was every Friday night or Saturday night if I wasn't working I was at the movie theater and seeing something Um, I saw a movie I think every week that year and uh, I never saw this one um so since we were doing Kubrick, this made a lot of sense to me to, to knock this one off. Um, I will say uh, it is not for everybody because there is um, a, a lot of nudity, although a lot of the nudity isn't sexual, even in the way that it's shot or depicted. It's almost uh, made to the point of it just being normal. Um, 
and the sex because there are there is some graphic sex in this movie uh kind of graphic i mean at, at least from a you're from a distance you're always on the outside of it um the character that we're following is not the one taking part in the acts uh it's just around and so from want the train that's something we'll have to talk about in spoilers um <laughs> Sorry. But, uh he um Tom Cruise's character is your your main focal point throughout the film. His perspective is the one we are exploring, and um, it, it. But there is there's still a lot of like nudity and sexuality to this film. Although um, I think in the article, um, it says I think the article states that it's it's not really sexual. It's not sexy. It's creepy, if anything, and that's by design. And so that's what's interesting is that Kubrick isn't. Kubrick didn't go and like make some weird like orgy movie to uh, appease men and, and like oh here's what we really want it's more of like a lot of men think they want something like this and maybe are misled into this mindset um, I, I again I think I, I need a lot of time to really uh, decompress what this film is trying to say um, I definitely to be able to talk about it I needed to read other people's thoughts because I'm like, I don't know how literal I'm supposed to be taking what I'm seeing in this movie because it feels like it's not literal. A lot of it feels heightened and odd. And so one of the interpretations of which, again, I will hold for now, um, definitely defends that point of view, that it's it, it's not supposed to be grounded in, in reality. So um, I would say I, I, I initially didn't like this movie. Um, honestly, like... I love Tom Cruise, and I know you do not, but there was a early, like, opening scene when he's talking to the two models. His laugh felt so fake, and it it's supposed to be fake in the scene, I think, because I think the guy is, he's trying to flirt and act like he's okay with that he's flirting, you know? I don't think he's comfortable with the women, like, that coming on to him so strong. I don't think he's used to it as a character and yet there's that manic tom cruise thing that like reminds me of him on oprah with the katie holmes thing in this film that was like this is not your best performance but i also know kubrick and how he worked with actors and he wouldn't have allowed a performance he didn't want you know um mm -hmm. and i always is shelly winters in the shining i always forget her name i knew until you just said oh, her man. name it's not shelly winters nope I know it's not. I never can remember her name. I always feel so bad. Because she's notorious the one. Like, he literally, like, drove her to the point of insanity to get the scene he wanted. So, like... Shelly um, Duvall. Shelly Duvall. Yeah. Um, and so... And this movie, uh, I, I didn't know this, but reading that article, it has a record for the longest continual shoot of 400 days without time off, apparently. It's like, they filmed for over a year uh, to make this movie, which is insane. Um... So, like, when you consider that and that Kubrick was a perfectionist, you have to think that those weird moments amount to something. And I think they do. But, like, I was initially very, like, oh, my goodness, this movie. And then I was kind of, like, in a trance about it the rest of the time. I was very, like, aware of what was happening. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like like isn't the right word, but I'm very intrigued by this movie. Um, and... Uh, and I don't know that I will watch it again anytime soon, but I also 
feel like I need to understand it more and I want to watch it again for that reason. Um, what what were your thoughts? I, I kind of feel like I already know, but let's hear. <laughs> no, what do you what do you think my thoughts are? <laughs> um, I don't feel like you would have liked this, uh, partly because it's Tom Cruise and you're already not a fan of that, and then um, it's a, I, I there's a lot of nudity, but again, I don't feel like it was super sexual um, in that way. I and felt I, like I was watching a softcore porn for like thirty minutes. A very high budget, yeah. not interesting, like, I don't know. Like, I get what they're saying, that it's supposed to look creepy, but I didn't feel like that's what it was at all. Um, yeah, I didn't like this movie. Yeah. I hated it. It was, like, three hours long. Um, that article that I read that you sent me, they could have just given me, like, the very beginning argument them making up in that one montage in the middle and made the whole movie 10 minutes and it would have been fine. Like, that's all I needed. <laughs> I, I I like Stanley Kubrick and I know that, it, like, even watching Shining a million times, every time that I watch that movie, I see something that I haven't seen before or, you know, I get something new from it. And I, I know that's the type of movies that he makes, but... I didn't like the characters. I thought that they were very boring. Um, hmm. Very, I yeah. I just really didn't care about anyone in this film. Well, um, definitely different perspective. Sorry, that I, was passion. That was passionate. No, no. Um, I felt. Uh, I, and, I didn't like the character, but I also didn't dislike character and i was intrigued by what was like what was going on like what his goal was and what you said about his performance i noticed that laugh like at the end too and it was just like and i also see what you're saying and what we know about kubrick and how he works with people but it his i felt like so much of his acting in this movie was very um stiff and non-personal and I don't know if that's like and I felt kind of the same way about Nicole Kidman too and I don't know if that's like you know the how they are to each other and that's how I feel like if I say anymore it's going to be a spoiler yeah, so we'll hold off and we'll get into uh, spoilers momentarily. Um, ultimately, listeners, I I still don't want to say I liked it. Um, I would say I, I appreciate it. Um, I'm intrigued by it. And so I'm definitely leaning cl- towards our middle to higher ground right now um, for our rating system, which we give at the end of the spoiler section. Um, Corey sounds like she's leaning towards the, the negative, which she does give a little more often than I do. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know sometimes things don't click um this is without question an artsy movie um i think that is and there's a level of pretentiousness uh built into the characters because he's a rich doctor who uh is having trouble with his wife and so decides to basically go about new york city um investigating possible avenues of debauchery that he then mostly doesn't do anything with but he's around them which is where a lot of the sexuality in the film actually comes into play. So, 
Um, I can totally see why someone may not like this character or definitely maybe can't relate to this character. So, um, yeah. And I think you, like, I don't feel like that's the case with a lot of Kubrick's films. I don't think they're all, like, high-level, like, upper-class guys. I mean, like, uh, Jack Nicholson in um, The Shining, Jack in The Shining. Um, is well he's yeah yes they're they're into the point of poverty and this is the last ditch to have a job because of his you know alcoholism and his attitude problem that he has lost his job as a teacher um and and then like the killing he's a criminal who comes out and paths of glory he's a lawyer but he's in the military so like there's this you know i think he levels the playing field because he doesn't look he doesn't look down on his men because they're not lawyers you know they're all um they're all equal on the battlefield so to speak and then obviously there's a lot of uh the in paths of glory the generals and are are upper class and the soldiers are the grunts in the in the trenches who are getting killed and, and being held responsible for things that the the rich say so i mean kubrick has never been like an advocate for the rich and so that's what's kind of interesting here in eyes wide shut is that it, it doesn't feel like he's advocating them um or like saying that oh their lives are hard like it's some like i think that's when some people watch like a noah bombach film they have a hard time because it's like look at marriage story it's like oh these rich white people who you know he's a successful maybe rich isn't the right word but he's a successful broadway you know playwright and director it's his own theater company true but it's it sounds like he puts all his money back into the theater company so he's not making a lot of money but he is you know living his dream so to speak and um and it's like oh they can't make it work oh how much sympathy you know like people have sometimes have a hard time connecting to those type of characters and i feel like this movie shares that in that the characters um like their biggest problem is that they had a fight and then he went about his town and like fancy parties and stuff it's like i mean i don't know if i don't know if we're supposed to feel bad for him though and that's the thing like i was more intrigued by what was happening and um I, I don't know I didn't know this was based on a book um, until I read that article and I've not done any research on what the book is about um, but I'm I'm intrigued by it because if I'm not mistaken the killing was based on a book and obviously the shining is based on a book um, so I'm and curious he just does what he wants he does he takes his own his own <laughs> at, well it's it, I'm yeah. reminded of Alex Garland and annihilation um, from a couple years ago because mm-hmm. um, I watched that movie. I was really into that movie. And then I wanted to read the book because I was like, I was so intrigued by the film. I was like, I, I kind of want a little more, but I, I'm also content with it being a one movie. Um, so I, I, while getting ready to read the book, I read that Garland read it one time. And then the movie screenplay, he adapted from his, in, his take on the book. So he didn't try to recreate it at, to everything exact. He made it, what he took away from the book instead like that was more important to him than specific plot points is like the themes and the message and what he felt the mo- the book was saying is what he did with the movie and so i kind of get that vibe from kubrick that he he read the book this is what he liked from it and this is his kind of his reimagining or his his vision of what the story is doing and so i am intrigued because the book is called dream walking or dream I can't find the title of the book. It's driving me crazy. It's Dream Something. Dreamwalking was a montage. I don't know. Oh, that's it was right before the montage, wasn't it? Um, 
Man, okay, there's definitely a book, and this article says it. I'm oh, sorry for the silence, but... Trom Novel, Novel, Dream Story. Dream Story. There you go. So, that title alone uh, being significant to the take on the movie um, and what we're witnessing is important. So, I think that's where we need to get into spoilers. So, Corey. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about Eyes Wide Shut in great detail. You've been warned. And, of course, this movie is technically 21 years old. That is damn disgusting to say out loud um yeah uh seeing as i am uh, this is my 20th anniversary and not anniversary 20th reunion uh that i graduated high school um because i was the class of y2k and um so this movie i guess based on what the videos have said and what the book is titled is mostly a dream um i'm guessing from or at least it's a metaphor for a dream or an allegory for a dream and um that's i i like that concept of movies doing that where like nothing is actually happening the way we see it happening um like i would say sydney pollock's character becomes a, a figment of his subconscious um if you remember the scene in the in the billiards hall towards the end of the movie when he he's called to see uh victor zeigler we first meet Zeigler when he has the uh, the girl dying in his bathroom of an overdose, um, which let's let's talk about that. I'm sorry I'm jumping around so much, but like I feel like these things are connected. So that scene was the scene where I was really losing my mind. Um, so there's a naked woman sitting in a chair dying, right? Yeah. And this doctor, uh, Tom Cruise's character, Doctor William Burr, his medical, you know, all of his medical training. Uh, for the girl who's clearly ODing was to go, hey, can you open your eyes? Hey, tapping her lightly on the hand. I'm like, dude. Well, I think that that's what they do to make sure that you're still, Don't they, you like, know. pump your stomach and, like, shoot you up with adrenaline? Like, I've seen Pulp Fiction. Like, <laughs> this feels like it's not enough. Like, You know, I was waiting. I was waiting in the scene for that first doctor to have drugged her or something. And then he's like, oh, no, she was, like, shooting up an eight ball or a speed ball. And, yeah, which that, um, like, heroin and cocaine, I'm like, uh, I, I know. That's I how admittedly Lance Daly died. Nothing about who, from Allison Chains? Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. That's why I never did drugs. Because too many people that I admire or look up to have died because of drugs. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to die. Like, I, the exact opposite. I want to live for as long as I freaking can. Um, and... <laughs> So, but yeah so that scene uh is where we meet Z Zeigler and then we don't see him again until Cruz is brought to him basically he said he needs to see you and we're in this like room of his mansion uh, they have pool tables and the guy basically goes to dispute everything we've seen um from Cruz's perspective so every weird moment every uh conspiracy that seems to be happening um people disappearing uh girls dying mysteriously and he disputes all of it with very it's so interesting because everything he says could easily be a lie but could also be are honestly the most logical truth i feel like a doctor is probably very logical and very grounded you know mm -hmm. what i mean and him saying those things to 
Tom Cruise's character. It's so true because it's such simple explanations. Yeah. It's so simple. He's like, you said yourself that that girl was going to die if she didn't get a rehab. Yeah. But so here's my confusion with this movie is that article says that it takes place pretty much over one night. Yes. I thought it was two nights. Well, I think what they're saying is when the plot starts. So like that first night when they're at the party together. I think is night one and then okay well okay so I, I got confused on that too and I, I'm not sure here because at the beginning of the movie they're getting ready to go to a party and they say they have fake pagers which for bugged the me. babysitter yeah right bug me um and that they, the they would be home no later than one I definitely got the hint it felt like they went home and then he went out again the next night after she smokes pot. He smokes pot with her. She gets uh, angry. Hysterical. And then, like, laughy, hysterical, obnoxious, almost. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, uh, I was surprised at the level of nudity Nicole Kidman exhibited. But I- I've seen her naked in other movies. But I, she was... My first, like, awareness of her... I guess... I saw Days of Thunder, so Days of Thunder probably would have been the first time I was, like, aware of who she was. But Batman Forever is where, like, as a kid, she became, like, a, an icon because I love Batman, right? Like, so I never thought she needed to do nude scenes because she was, like, a prestigious actress in my head. And so I was surprised at, like, when I saw a Killing of a Sacred Deer a couple years ago, she's naked in that, and I was surprised. But I thought maybe that was, like well, I'm getting older and people aren't giving me as many interesting roles, so I'll do the nudity now to, like, you know, be exotic or whatever. And so, like, I was... when Even when this movie came out and I heard it was very sexual, I'm like, well, I'm sure she's not. And she's naked, like, literally opening scene, you see her butt, and I'm like, wow, that is surprising to me because she is a prestigious... And again, not to not to pass judgment, it's just but a lot of actresses tr- of her caliber wouldn't do nudity, you know. It's they true. Don't have to. Yeah, and... I feel like I don't want to say this. I don't know how to s- convey what I want to say, but I feel like actresses who do nudity often maybe wouldn't get to this caliber either. Yeah, I mean, th- there is definitely some actresses who rely on their looks to get roles. Um, and there are actors who rely on their looks to get roles too. Let's not kid ourselves, but they don't usually have to flaunt anything outside of their abs. You know, um, every once in a while they make a guy get actually naked, but more often than not, it's the women who have to get naked, or men just take their shirts off, which I guess technically is the same level of naked, but there's a social stigma <laughs> attached to that, right? Like, um, well, I mean, in this movie, we got so much full nudity of women, and I yeah. think we saw one one guy butt. Yeah, you know what? Uh, there was one gay. Well, I don't know if they yep. were gay or not. There was one, I think that that was two guys clear. dancing together in like a slow dance, but you don't see any any male genitalia in a film full of people having sex. Um, but you do see, uh, I, I mean, you don't see, you see a lot, uh, like full front, like full full frontal nudity of women, um, not just upper torso, and but again, not. It's not abs times, for abs here, guys. Yeah, or nips for nips. They're they're uh, they're just walking around naked for the for the most part. You know, there's a few again. Some of the rooms there's like, 
it is weird like he's walking through like a museum of sexuality almost because there's just people having sex in like random rooms and but it, the camera like it's always in the background for the most part like it's not it never felt like the camera was like leering it was almost like in the periphery because Cruz was being dragged around in into this room into this chaos but to go back I don't know if the the Ziggler thing was finished but um I did feel like now with that context of this being like a dreamlike state so he get they gets in the fight with her she mentions that she's had a dream with other men and she feels guilty about it she gets mad at him because of his assumption of women's sexuality which I didn't I kind of felt like that argument was pointless. Like, I didn't see that argument. I feel like at that point, she was just hysterical. But I thought that it was interesting that yeah. she said that at that point, she was ready to lose her whole life as she knows it. Mm. She was like, I was ready to lose Helena, Helena, Helen, Helena, Helena. I was ready to lose you, all of it, to sleep with this man. Yeah, which... That man, I still don't know for sure who that was, but he looks so freaking familiar. Um, I love that. Uh, go ahead with Ziggler. I'm sorry. No, I, 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 I'm bouncing around a lot because my head's all over the place with this. But, um, I, uh, that moment though, like supposedly from the interpretations that I've read that becomes like a dreamlike state and that's why we see him walking and the way the camera works and if you like the world seems hazy and slightly off it doesn't feel like the real world and um a lot of the situations he finds himself in is very dreamlike in that like they're weird like the best example to me aside from the orgy which is obviously weird with the costumes and everything is when he goes to get the costume and the the guy who owns the costume shop is not the guy who used to own the costume shop which i don't know why he knew someone who owned a costume shop so well but you know he says hey is so and so there he's like no no and i don't know if that was all a ruse maybe i misunderstood what was happening maybe that was just him trying to like work his way into getting into the costume shop but convinces the guy to let him have a costume he'll pay extra but then when they're in there it's so it already feels weird that whole thing seems surreal the guy's like the way he's talking to tom cruise's character feels a little off and then he notices he hears a noise and then he finds a chinese guy or i hope that's an asian guy sorry um hiding in like a speedo and then a girl comes up from behind the couch and that's we find out it's his daughter and then another asian guy stands up and so like crazy things are happening and he like threatens them and he's gonna call the cops and then the that's gross later apparently he pimped his daughter out which is disturbing you know so so is this part still him awake because that dad's like i'm gonna call the police didn't you notice that she's just a child and like runs them out and then later on she's wearing like this really heavy like i mean it's a costume shop but it's like theater like level makeup you know i think that's maybe like the dream no i think the whole thing's a dream potentially because again i don't think it's necessarily literally a dream in the movie like i think he experiences like the things that's like i don't feel like the character is actually asleep i don't think that's what we're supposed to take i could be wrong i think the dream is a metaphor for like this you know life that we're like we're we're living we're we're aspiring to have these things that we think we need but we don't necessarily um 
or maybe we shouldn't have and or i don't know i i am out of my realm with this movie right now i need more interpretation uh than i currently have at my disposal but also there he so did you think that nicole kidman was the worst crier ever in this movie because i did i didn't know if she was laughing or crying Okay, I guess I just assume laughing, I think. So that's why I... I... But, yeah, but then she's, like, wiping her tears, and she's talking about how awful this dream is, and her dream is the things that he's been doing. Like, yeah. that that cult or something. And, like, how would they know that he doesn't belong there? Yes. I, I, so that whole... And the girl in the mask, like, she knows him clearly, and, like, it's never a well, 100% if it's the girl from the apartment... Oh, I thought that it was the girl that overdosed with the doctor. Oh. Because he said that he was like, what's her name? What's her name? And then that's how he woke her up, Mandy, when she was, like, going out of it in the bathroom with Ziggler. And then when they show the newspaper, it's Mandy, blah, blah, blah. I think they said she was a beauty queen or something previously in her name. And then... He's taken back to see Ziggler, and he's like, well, you said yourself that she would die of, a, of an overdose if she didn't clean up. Yeah, I did remember that. I guess I didn't connect when when she died, um, or, like, uh, why why he thought she died, because of the, her, like, trying to save him. That makes sense, because um, I also thought, because the girl that, like, the prostitute that, like, brings him to the room, and then he doesn't sleep with her, but he pays her anyways, apparently she died of AIDS, like, suddenly, Um Right? That's what the, the roommate says AIDS, right? Or um, she was it, HIV positive or something like that. Yeah. Like, every time that he's trying to, like, have these affairs, they're being thwarted. Yeah, something <laughs> gets in the way. Like, that time, I think the wife... His wife called. Yeah. Um, it's so really like, not a good time. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell. I, I don't feel like there's a scene where, like, he wakes up. You know what I mean? Like... There are movies where everything's a dream and it's very clear that a character wakes up. Uh, or, like, sometimes worse is, like, when it's not the whole thing is a dream. It's just, like, one scene. And then usually the vital, like, finale scene is, the is oh, it was just a dream. Um, and it's it's frustrating and, and it's such a cop-out usually of an ending because it undoes everything that you just did, basically. It's like, oh, all these cool things that happened, they didn't happen. Um, but that's not, I don't feel like the movie does that. Um, I think, like... It's a metaphor for dreaming in a way. Like, um, I don't know. It, it's one of the – either the article or the video talked about it as, like, an exploration of marriage, which I thought was really interesting after watching Marriage Story from this year um, because of that, like, you know, that interaction when you kind of put it into that mindset because, like, Marriage Story is over a long period of time. Like, that movie takes place over, like, at least a year or two um, that we are witnessing them, like, kind of the evolution of their – divorce you know you're not their marriage it's like the opposite and here they have this big fight and it is like this life-changing moment and the ending is where you it, it's very clear when they're shopping at the end when they're like walking around the store that that's real like there's no no question it looks different than the rest of the film it feels different and even like her quote is so weird um and out like it felt kind of out of nowhere to me um because i wasn't I don't know, like, she just says, you know, we need to do something right away, and he says, what? And she says the F word, uh, which I will say, she says, have sex, but with one word. And it was so, like, okay, wow, matter of fact. Um, and that's where it ends. It just cuts to black. Um, and the score. 
the score was weird, right? Like there was like a circusy vibe to the score, or is mm-hmm. that did I just feel that? Like, no, I totally. Yeah, it it, just it had... reminded me kind of of the score from uh, Carnival of Souls, but not quite. Interesting. That's like, and there was because there he's playing organ, right? Um, Nick Nightingale when he's at that party, the costume party. Yes. And the, yeah, so it's also like organ all throughout. Uh, I definitely Carnival feel like I need Souls. to watch this again to really get everything. Um, and I don't know that I'm gonna like because it it's weird. such a long movie though too, and I don't feel like. See, I think that's where we're different. I never felt. Oh God, I was time. bored out of my mind. Yes, yeah, I. To be fair, I was keeping my hands busy, like I was like putting cards and sleeves and stuff like you know doing something to like keep my uh not like not be on my phone kind of thing you know i mean like i needed to be able to to be occupied still but still watch the movie and i do feel like i may have looked away too much or at times but um i i never really felt like it was two and a half hours like but again i kept my hands busy so maybe that helped but um is there anything else um, you want to discuss? I mean, I... I feel like so that montage on the article. I love that montage because all of those shots are so beautiful. But I yeah. didn't feel like they had the impact in the movie. And I don't I, really I know a better way to say that. No, I think I think that's a good point, and at the very least, an interpretation that's worthy of, of note um you know i think sometimes uh that's the beauty of art is that we're going things are going to land differently for different people um you know this movie was not loved like by everybody this isn't like some 99 you know every critic who sees it thinks it's a masterpiece there are critics out there who who thought this was trash um you know some people question whether or not this was even the final version that kubrick would have ended up releasing if he had if he had lived um so yeah it's it's definitely a controversial film i do think i can see i I think it looks amazing like the the cinematography is very compelling i think those those tracking shots as you pointed out are gorgeous um i don't know if they had the narrative impact uh i did think it was weird the amount of walking we were doing and yet I did find that, that like, the, the article references, like, a hypnotic trance to watching it, and I, I definitely fell into that. Um, I was very... I kind of kept waiting for something to happen, because you mentioned that, too, like, that you were waiting for, uh, like, when she was ODing, you thought that he had done something. You thought there would be more plot. Yeah. And there kind of isn't, um, because it's not... It's all him, like, making everything more than it is. That's At least that's what that scene with Ziggler is trying to do. It's it's disputing, like, you have fantasized and romanticized being significant, being someone of importance, that people want to get rid of you and kill you. It's like, nobody freaking cares. Like, just leave it alone, you stupid, you know, jerk. And um, I, I don't know, that could play a factor when you look at it with that lens of the marriage, like his own ego being the thing standing in his way that he wants like women want him because he's a doctor you know and so like he's settling for his wife where he could be out having 
you know, rich sex with a bunch of random people or well, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, well, that male fantasy and then that I, being that shattering moment. I felt like none of that, I mean, he was kind of flirting with those girls at the party, but it wasn't serious at all. And he oh. didn't mind one bit ducking away to go up to Ziggler. But, like, he didn't seem like that kind of person or, like, that he was looking for any of that until his wife told him about yes. that whole fantasy. Correct. And then he keeps seeing her with this man. Just a random guy, yeah. Yeah, so... And then... Hmm. I had yeah. one more thing, but now I've forgotten. But I, but I think that's... Like, maybe because he was so angry, that's where the dreamlike state enters. It's like he's looking kind of to hurt her because she hurt him, even though she didn't do anything and she was just trying to talk about it. Yes, but also there comes that big conversation about, well, what is cheating? Mm. Because I was kind of thinking about that, too. She's already done the – she's kind of done some of the damage already. Do you mean uh, with the guy? Well, like, just even that she's thought about it and she said that she was okay with losing everything that she had at that point and that she's glad that that officer had left and wasn't there anymore because she she was going to follow through with it if she could have. Hmm. And I feel like that still must impact his trust. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, like, I mean, I don't know if my mare You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, no, um... I, th- I think the movie has a lot to offer. It's Kubrick, and I, I don't think... I, it doesn't mean you have to like a movie that Kubrick did, right? Like, But it, yeah. it, still, you can acknowledge that uh, there is something there. And there it, there's obviously thought and intentionality behind the things. And the fact that you can dislike it and still try, like appreciate it and try to understand it is what makes his, his craft, or his, his product of the craft, so great. Because he does make content that it has something there there's substance it's not just fluff it's not just softcore porn there is a a point behind that sexuality and i mean in some ways because uh, i i don't feel like the nudity in the film is exploitative at all like it it's i mean it's there it's it's present and it could it's definitely i think you could make a, an argument that it's unnecessary unless there is a point behind it and i don't know if i grasp the point but i i do believe that kubrick tends to have a point and so i think that's why like these articles that exist and whatnot are really interesting and to be fair i do think that our discomfort with nudity is grounded in um a certain upbringing and belief structure that i don't even necessarily feel i have anymore but yet can't shake those like i i'm going to use the phrase puritanical point of view but you know like I can appreciate what you're saying, but I'm also just tired of it being nude females all the time. And I know that at a certain point, a nude male becomes X-rated. I get that, but But it's not just... That's a double standard. Well, I think that it's... Mm, I feel like I've read that it's if a male has an erection, it can't be shown on film, and then it becomes X-rated, but I heard that a really long time ago so i don't really know if that's true i haven't like researched yeah. it oh what you're not researching the x rating process <laughs> <laughs> no um so like i can understand in that regard like not wanting your film to because 
I can only imagine all the loops and everything, hoops and everything you'd have to jump through to get your film widely distributed and yeah. things like that. But that doesn't mean that we can't see like full male, you know, frontal nudity sometimes because I have seen it in movies. Yes. I, I so mean, that's, Jason Siegel did it in yeah. uh, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Giovanni Ribisi in Suburbia. Like, it happens. So I think that that's. I don't know. I don't feel like a prude. I. Just, you know, but I, it's I do think always women. It's yeah. always women. But I, I and do I mean, think I tend to, I, I well, I guess I uh, come at the the topic a lot of times feeling like because it's always women that it, it does feel unjust. I guess that there is nudity in a movie. You know what I mean? Like I feel, especially when there's like forty or fifty naked women, it does. You have to go. It's like, did the dude just want to see a bunch of boobs? Is that what this is? Is that why this How movie did you... exists? How did you apply for this part? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, and it's not like like there are other movies where there's like the variety of women is all like over the place with like Midsummer. You know, yes, yes, where it's all types of women. It's not like what she was a beauty model or whatever you said. Um, yeah, something like that. That that sounds like a weird phrase. Beauty model is that a thing? Beauty you? queen. Beauty queen. That's what it was. Um, and like that's kind of what all of the women around in the orgy look like, and so like maybe that's that's where there's definitely maybe a room for a complaint here. It's like Cooper could have cast like a more maybe realistic like room of of women having sex like in an orgy like where it's like all types of people, not just you know I know it's New York City, but come on, there's like normal people in New York City too. Oh. It's not just beauty queens. But then I was thinking also that these are obviously high like. I mean, he's a doctor. His friend who is a doctor is there. So these are probably, and not saying that all men have one taste, but maybe yes. that's the taste of this clientele. Um, I So I did want to talk, this is what it was that I forgot. I was feeling like it was very dreamlike when he's walking through New York City on what I believe is the second night. And he stops and he gets a cake or something ends up getting a cake for that girl yeah. he stops at her apartment and someone is following him and we're in new york city but there's like no one on the streets yes he tries to hail a taxi like two taxis they don't stop for him another taxi is coming like kind of towards the us and he like even taps the car and it just drives off yeah and, like that and i i we've seen this before in another movie and i can't remember which movie it is off the top of my head but i love when it's like these very very populated cities but somehow it is very empty because it does become very eerie and reading that he was afraid of flying and they had to build the set of new york city in london i think yeah i thought that was pretty cool yeah I just there's just something about that where it's like really quiet and empty that just gets me. Yeah, um I uh I agree. I, I think that scene really does feel like um a dream and I think that's kinda true for that whole New York like walking through New York, it just feels like a dream, but um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we've we've said a lot. We've said a lot. And we've also admitted not understanding it fully. Uh, and, and I don't know that like a movie like this needs it, is going to be understood on the first viewing, um, because it it is layers. There's a lot of things happening. It's not 
it's not just going to be like on the surface. And I think if you look at it on the surface, I could totally see it being a little bland, um, you know, maybe unrela unrelatable or unlikable characters. Um, yeah, so I can see it going that way for sure. Um, I am ready to give my rating. How about you? Yes. I'm going to go um, not quite golden, leaning towards a decent watch from my experience, but I was compelled and I was intrigued by it, and I did fall in that hypnotic trance. I am going to go with a decent watch, oh. but leaning a little more towards not a total waste of time than not quite golden pony boy. Gotcha. Leaning lean in negative that's still bad like when you said it earlier it was i was totally expecting a void like the plague so hey i still feel like we could have trimmed an hour off easily guys I, i'm okay with the longer movie sometimes but um i uh i can can we sum up the month though real fast like because we just finished four kubrick films oh we're done um kubrick is over uh we're gonna be moving into our new topic but before we talk about that because we do have to like introduce that topic um i do want to uh kind of like i've seen a lot of other kubrick big films you know 2001 a space odyssey uh we've watched lolita on this podcast a few years ago i think um i love we both big fans of the shining um but i still have some gaps i've not seen spartacus uh i've not seen barry Lyndon, and i um i feel like there's one more like other big one of his that i've not seen um i've seen full metal jacket but only one time but i've seen the uh the opening which is my favorite part of the movie is the first half at the boot camp um i love that sequence and or sequences um and I, I like the others but i love that one and um but uh i i think this month um i actually love your picks uh more i love the killing and i really love paths of glory which i was not expecting um to be that into paths of glory um but i also i did like a clockwork orange and uh, I love finally understanding a lot of cultural references that people reference from that film that I'd never seen before. So, like, that's always fun being kind of in on a joke suddenly. Yes. Um, I feel like yours were more complex <laughs> than yeah. my picks. I actually very agree with that. Um, and that's For I sure. Mean, both of your movies are 50s Kubrick. Um, then a, a Clockwork Orange is right at the end of the 60s, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's 68 or 69. And then, obviously, Eyes Wide Shut is, is Kubrick's last film. So mine were, were a little later in his career. Definitely, he's got a little more... He's got a lot of freedom with Eyes Wide Shut at that point. He's, like, the guy. Um, and then Clockwork Orange is, is a weird, quirky masterpiece, also based on a book. Um, yeah, uh, that's really true. Paths of Glory, though, I think is also very complex when you break it down. But I think on its surface, it's very accessible. Um, and Killing as well is super accessible, but I love noir, so I was just all in on the whole style of that movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think from the month, I'm going to go, I'm going to say Paths of Glory was my favorite from the month. Did you have a favorite? I think that I'm going to go with Paths of Glory, too. Yeah, I, you you weren't as into the killing. You liked the killing, um, but the, the noir thing never really clicks for you, so. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that's January, and we might we still got a couple other Kubrick films that might show up in future episodes. I don't know if we need to do a whole month for Kubrick again. I think we've we've only got a couple left that we haven't seen, um, but I'd like to finish off his filmography. Uh, although Spartacus is Spartacus and Barry Lyndon, I think are over two hours. Uh, I think Spartacus is like four hours. So, um, 
but it's Kirk Douglas, and now I really want to watch that because I liked him so much in Paths of Glory. But um, next month, February of 2020, we are doing uh, the theme Love and Tosha, which this is a nod to a movie we watched in uh, December of 2019 in our Through the Cracks series. We watched the documentary Love and Tosha. Uh, the documentary is about Anton Yelchin and his uh, career and life and his impact he's had on the people around him. Um, Corey and I are both big fans of a lot of his movies, but there are some we've not seen. And the documentary kind of made us aware of a few of them that I didn't even somehow I'd looked at his filmography dozens of times. And somehow I just, I guess, wrote off some as like, I'll never get to that one. And so that's what we're getting to. We're getting to four movies. I think all four, neither of us have seen. Am I right? Um, yeah. So we're going to be watching, in this order, uh, Porto, uh, which we had to buy digital because it is not easy to get a hold of. It's actually cheaper to buy the, the digital copy than the DVD. Um, the DVD was like 18 bucks. Uh, so note that. Um, Hearts in Atlantis, which I think is the biggest one of the four that we're watching because of Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that cover a bajillion times, like when we worked at FYE, like it was always because yes. like, he's like reaching out. It was to on the you. front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like you look over and you kind of creeped out like this guy's just like, hey, and you're like, stop. Um, so Hearts in Atlantis. Uh, then we're watching uh, We Don't Belong Here, which I think of the four is the worst critical one i think it's like 20 percent rotten tomatoes or something like that all of these are low critical scores but have a lot of like fan scores um like i think the the criticism of hearts in atlantis is it's overly sentimental but a lot of times those movies work for me so i'm kind of like oh i might cry yeah so i'm like uh because i think five to seven is like a 50 percent rotten tomatoes and you and i love that movie they are all fired yeah so it's like whatever uh we are we are sentimental saps and it's fine um and it's anton and he's gone now so we'll cry more for that um but then we don't belong here uh i forget someone else is in that one that's um good i think i can't think of who it is is it j-law um no mm, dang it i'm, I'm pulling it up. here oh katherine Keener's in Keener. it that's the one i'm excited about because i like her oh caitlin dever's in it yeah i did not realize that oh riley keogh's in it i love riley keogh oh man molly shannon's in this how can this be bad oh <laughs> don't say that it only not has on a 4.9 imdb <laughs> user score um that's not These good i didn't know what they were I don't know. Maya Rudolph's in Maya it. Rudolph. Carrie Ellis? Yeah. This cast is nuts. Who's Pierre? But the director? I mean, I don't know. I just saw that Pierre, Pierre or something. Peterson? Oh man, he's only directed this movie. Not a good sign. It's only wow. I didn't realize it was a 2017 film. Yeah, oh. that's not a good sign. Um, that you know, neither of us knew about this movie, and we were definitely. Fans. Oh no, I knew about it. Okay. I thought that it was um. I didn't realize it was 2017, but also I brought up Pierre Peterson, and he looks like he's 20. Yeah. Um, yeah, he looks pretty young. Uh, I kept waiting for because I remember seeing a trailer for it, but I don't even know if it came to the flicks. I can't remember. And then it was on Amazon Prime for a while, and now it's gone. Well, lastly, oh, this movie actually has a decent score. The the one I the last one I picked for the month is Like Crazy. Which, as soon as I heard about this movie, I was, one, mad at myself for not having already seen it. Because but, it's Anton and Felicity Jones, and I am a big fan of Felicity Jones. Um, but I'm not a big fan of Jennifer Lawrence, um, and she's also in this movie. So, um, And it's directed by Drake Deramos? 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 I'm going to go with Deramos. 
um, who I've seen none of his movies, but at least he's directed more than one. But um, this is a 2011 film. It has a 68 Metascore and a 6.7 IMDb user score, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to like it a lot. Did he age, like, ever? Who? Anton Yelchin. Oh. uh... I know he was, like, really young, but, like, 2011, and he passed away in 2017? Um, That sounds right. Looks the exact same. Yeah. I don't know. Like, when you see him as, like, some of his... I think Hearts in Atlantis, he's really young. 2016. Oh, that came out after he passed away. Mm-hmm. Damn, four years, guys, almost. I know, I can't believe it was that long. I was actually on a... Uh, going to Boston um, the day he died. Like, I was at the airport when I saw... I got the news alert and was, like, devastated. Um, and it was right after I saw Green Room, so, like, I'd really just become a big fan. And I watched... While in Boston, I watched... Um, uh oh why can't alpha dog what is it alpha dog i started alpha dog but i was started started alpha dog in the airport on my way home and realized it was not an airport friendly movie because oh yeah um but i watched um why can't i think of it the one where he sees like monsters Um, odd thomas odd thomas i watched in my hotel room in boston and loved and cried I cried yeah. so hard in that movie. Um, I was so not expecting to cry in that movie. <laughs> like, that was not a movie that I thought would hit me that hard, but it totally hit me hard. Um, he's such a good actor. And Corey and I, as we said, big, big fans. Uh, I don't think this will complete his filmography for us, but it will definitely get a lot of the boxes checked. Both of us have not seen these four movies, so we're looking forward to the month. Um, if you haven't seen the documentary, we also recommend that. Uh, we'll be watching these. Spy it. Yep. Uh, for real it's totally worth buying i'm so glad i own that um i wish he didn't take pictures of of women naked because i can't teach that documentary because of that sequence in the movie because <laughs> oh, um, no. like i'm watching i'm like i want to teach this and then that part happens I'm like i can't i can't ever teach this that's so heartbreaking <laughs> um i'd have to skip like a whole segment I, of who I, he was but i love that i love that so much i know you can't teach it but i just love that they're like is was all the stuff about him that we didn't know mm-hmm. i love yeah, it's it it's a very candid look which uh it had full support of the family and that's one of the cool things about it um part of one of the reasons i wanted to teach it was because nicholas cage does the the voiceover for any of his readings anything he wrote that they have and he, it's read out loud by nicholas cage um and it's he doesn't he never appears on screen outside of like clips of movies that he's in but um yeah really uh really really interesting um so that's our episode uh we will be back with our new theme for the month of february again love antosha with the film porto um until then you can follow us on social media i am at burke reviews and Corey at Corey r star two r's on the end if you like what we're doing please rate and review the podcast it helps people find us um and a early shout out thanks to uh, the love antosha website um they were supposed to be posting uh that we're doing the whole month dedicated to Anton films. Um, so we grateful for that, uh, cross promotion. Um, you know, they, it, no payment or anything like that. I, we loved the documentary. Uh, we posted it. They listened to the episode and, uh, they liked what we had to say when they found out we were going to be doing more in- Anton Yelchin films. They said, Hey, we'll, uh, we'll make sure our, the fans of his know about it. So thanks. that's so exciting. Thanks. Yes. We're, we're very you. excited and grateful. Um, because, we are fans. Uh, we, we might review movies, but we also love them. That's why we take our time every week to do this. So uh, we look forward to um, watching these movies. Hopefully we like all of them. Not a guarantee, 
you know, not a guarantee. But I, I do know that Corey and I like a lot of sentimental type sappy things, and we are a sucker for Anton. So yeah, at least he'll be good. Yeah, at least he'll be good. That that is true because there are movies I've seen of his that I'm like, I don't like this movie so much, but he was still great. So. Um, although I will point out rudderless still one of my favorite soundtracks to a film ever. Um, so yeah. Um, that said, uh, we'll be back and until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke reviews podcast. Burke reviews.com.